read from Matthew 22, verse 36. I want to teach from this thought today, three relationships needed for, for life. Before I get there, I want to just do a quick review and, uh, and just touch on a couple things that we touched on last week. I uh, really didn't plan to do a lot that we did last week, uh, but God had different plans. And I want to make sure that, that we are, we're, we're just picking up on some of that emphasis um, today. In Matthew 22, verse 36, it says this. It says, Teacher, what is the most, speaking to Jesus here, Teacher, Jesus, what is the most important commandment in the law? Jesus answered, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind. And this is the first and most important commandment. The second most important commandment is like this one. And it is this, love others as much as you love yourself. So, the, so Jesus says there's two commandments here. The first is your relationship with God. Secondly, your relationship with other people. But, but I do want to make this note. We didn't touch this last week because I didn't know I was really going to go there. But, but I want to touch on it here. The Bible in these verses are really talking about three relationships. First of all, your relationship with God. Second of all, your relationship with others. But thirdly, and probably the most important, is your relationship with yourself. And the Bible is clear that you can't love other people if you don't love yourself. If you're hating on yourself, you're going to be hating on other people. And we don't want to get in, and I don't want to teach all that, but I just want to encourage you, uh, forgive yourself. L learn to love yourself. Learn to like yourself. Some of you just need to take yourself and go on an outing. People say, you know, I like to get away by myself at times and, and just get quiet. And people ask me, well, why do you get away like the, by yourself? I said, well, I like myself. Does anybody like themselves? So, so I want to encourage you. It is absolutely impossible for you really to have right relationships with other people if you don't have a right relationship with yourself. And so many of us are so hard on ourselves, right? We're hard on ourselves because of regrets, and we have this unforgiveness with ourselves. We just can't let ourselves off the hook. I should have done this. I should have, because we know ourselves the best, right? And so we know what we didn't do and what we should have done. And, and I'm just here to tell you, you need to give the same grace to yourself that God asks you to give to other people. Come on. The same way that God loves you and forgives you, come on, and believes in you, you need to receive that for yourself. In 1 John 4, 21, we read this last week. It says, the command, uh, the command we have from Christ is blunt. Loving God includes loving people. You've got to love both. The reason why I'm bringing this to our emphasis is that every year, typically, I bring an emphasis not only to my life but to the church uh, first and foremost, about our relationship with God. That's the reason why in the month of January, uh, we really focus on our relationship. How are we doing with our relationship when it comes to God or going God word? And so that's the reason why we fast and we pray and, and we really try to get things in alignment because this is very important. In the month of February and even sometimes in the month of March, I like to shift that focus uh, because it's not just about our relationship with God that matters, but according to Jesus, the, 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 the important commandment is not just to love the Lord thy God, 
but it is to love others as we love our ourselves. So, so the emphasis in the month of February and a couple of weeks in the month of March is to make sure, do we have healthy relationships with one another? Because like last week we taught is that your relationships with other people directly affects your relationship with God. And for a lot of people, that is just like, that is like, really? Is that, is that really, really right? And let me say it again. Your relationships your, with other people, how you deal with other people, has a bearing upon your relationship with, with God. And that's what we got into last week. And we showed you that Jesus was very emphatic that if you don't forgive other people, then he's not going to be forgiving you. That just shows you that how you treat other people or how you walk in love with other people affects your relationship with God. You just can't dismiss the Bible. And the Bible says this is the most important thing for the new covenant believer is my, my relationship with God and my relationship with other people. And I could have went all day long showing you other examples. We talked about uh, the example of husbands and wife, that, that, that if husbands aren't... <laughs> If husbands aren't treating their wives, oh, I hate to go there. You know, I just hate to go there. But if husbands aren't treating their wives correctly, the Bible says that husbands, when you pray, God doesn't even hear your prayers. So you can't say me and God are good and it doesn't matter how I treat other relationships when God says, I'm not even hearing your prayers. Because my relationships with other people is crucial to my relationship with God. And if I'm going to be a success in life, I gotta get my relationship with God right, and I gotta get my relationship with other people. I brought up last week in, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, which, which is probably stunning to a lot of people, where Paul was dealing and giving correction to the church because the church was mistreating one another, and they were coming together and having their church services, and they thought God was all fine with that, and God actually put a stop to it. He, he told, uh, 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 through Paul, to deal with the church and their mishandling of the relationships that they were having with other people. They were hating on each other. They were gossiping about each other. They were mistreating each other, and then they expected to come and worship God and everything to be fine with them and God. And God says, that's, that's not happening. And that's where God says, for this reason, and this is shocking, but it's in your Bible, for this reason, many are weak, many are sick, and many have even died. Now, that, that's, that's, that's tough. That's sobering. But God is not talking about the worldly people. He's talking about his own people, the church people. He says, many, this is the reason why so many in the church are weak. So many in the church are getting sick. So it may not be COVID your problem. And even many have died. Well, what do you do with the, those kinds of verses? Do you, just, do you just forget it and move on? No, we, we need, we, thank God somebody's going to teach me so I can make the adjustments. If you're curious where that's at, it's in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 29 through 31. The reason why I want to bring that back up is because we've all erred in this. We've all messed. I'm the chief of, of, the, of the biggest loser in this one. I have mistreated people. I've mishandled people. But here's the good news for us that have not always been right with good relationships on this way. And you always thought it was just about you and God. The Bible then goes on to the very next verse. That he says, many, many are, are, are seeing negative consequences in their life because they're mistreating each other. But then he goes on to say this, if you judge yourself, you will not be judged. So what do you do? When you flip the guy off because you got mad on, on the road, you, you just judge yourself. God, I, 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 God, that was wrong. 
God, that, I should have never flipped that guy off. Forgive me, cleanse me. The Bible says if you, if you judge yourself, you, I wish I could get somebody happy in here. If you judge yourself, you won't be judged. We've all messed up in these situations. We've all mistreated people in these situations. And the Bible says just be quick to repent, quick to judge yourself. I'm just here to remind us of what we talked last week. Your relationship with God really matters, and your relationship with other people really matter. And that's what our focus is as a church as we enter into this brand new year to get this alignment right and to get this alignment right. Why? Because relationships matter. Somebody shout, relationships matter. Let me go on to some, some new territory for, for some. We've taught some of this before. My staff has asked me to teach some of it again. Actually, I taught about a year ago on this, so most of you weren't even here. Uh, you were still at home, probably sleeping in bed. So here we go. Why are relationships so important? We touched a little bit on this last week. It's this reason, uh, because relationships all have a destiny in your life. Let's say that again. Why are relationships, why would we take the month of February, why would we take some of the month of March to deal with our relationships with one another? Because your relationships have a destiny. They take you somewhere. When it comes to relationships, it's so important to understand that there is no neutral relationship. Every relationship that you have with anybody on any level is going to impact and affect your life. Right relationships will lift your life into greater success, where wrong relationships will limit your life into a place of mediocrity. It's been said, I like this, it's been said that, that people are like elevators. The right people will take you up, while, while the wrong people will take you, will take you down. Are you here? Right. So, so this is this this is a cute little story I read not too long ago. An elderly man was on his deathbed. His wife. I'm talking about people taking you up or people taking you you down. People are like elevators. So a man's on his deathbed. His wife was by his side, and they're talking about their life together. And he says to Agnes, <laughs> whew, I like that name, Agnes." He says to Agnes. Here you are again at my, my, my bedside as I'm dying. And she said, yes, dear, I'm, I'm right here. I'm, I'm right here with you. You know, Agnes, as I look back on my life, you have always been there for me at every corner. You were there when I, I got the draft notice and I had to go off to war. She said, yes, dear, I, I was there. She said, no, Agnes, you were, you were there when, when we, uh, our first house burnt down to the ground. And Agnes looks at him and said, yes, dear, I, I was there. And you know, Agnes, you were there when, when I had that horrible car accident that destroyed my car. And Agnes says, oh, dear, yes, I, I, I was there, babe. You know, Agnes, you were there when my business went bankrupt and I lost everything I had. Oh, yes, yes, I, I, I was there. Then the elderly man paused for a moment and said, you know, the more I think about it, the more I realize, Agnes, you have been a real jinx in my life. People are like elevators. Some take you up, and some take you down. How many of you have ever heard the saying, show me your friends, and I'll show you your... 
Come on, I'll show you your future. Do you know Solomon actually said that in a different way? Proverbs 13, 20, hear it. Be friends with those who are wise, and you'll become wise. Choose fools to be your friends, and watch your life fall to pieces. I think that's interesting that the Bible puts all relationships into two categories. It puts them into wise relationships that make you better, and the Bible puts them into foolish relationships that will hinder and ruin your life. I know that to be true for, for my own life, the success in my own life. I can, I can directly connect it to those people who have helped influence me and brought wisdom into my life. In the same way, uh, the trouble, the failures I've gotten into, uh, rarely, when I look back on my life, rarely have I ever done that by myself. It was because I was running with wrong people in the wrong direction or I was listening to wrong counsel, wrong people that gave me bad advice. So hear me today. Your friends will always determine, you need to hear this. May, this may be too practical to you for you, but this is very spiritual. That's the reason why we started last week with what we talked about. You've got to see how spiritual your relationships with others are. Um, your friends will always determine the quality and the direction of your life. All you need for your life <laughs> to fall apart is one bad relationship. And all you need for your life to be better is one good relationship. I wish I could get an amen right there. I'm here to tell you with one God relationship, God can change your whole destiny for the better. And that's what I've come to do this morning because I think some of you might just be one relationship away from changing your life for the better. Let, let me just give you, let's see if I touch this real quick, but let me just give you one example of that. Uh, the Apostle Paul, uh, who wrote, you know, over half of the New Testament, his whole life was changed by one relationship. I mean, if you're in church and been in church very long, we all know the Apostle Paul. I mean, I mean, he's famous. I mean, he, he's been used by God more than almost any other man. And his relationship or his life was changed by one relationship. Notice here in Acts 9, verse 26, uh, back in Jerusalem, Saul, this is Paul, tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him. They didn't trust him one bit. Now, this was, this was before uh, he was Paul. He was, because before he was Paul, he was Saul. Don't want to get into all of that. But, but this is the Apostle Paul, and he's had a, a, a life-changing experience. Before Paul was Paul, Paul was Saul, and Paul, Saul was a persecutor of the church. He was the Osama bin Laden of his day. And Christians did not trust him because he was known to imprison Christians, and he was known to have uh, uh, Christian people murdered and killed and stoned. So, so he has this experience with God. His life gets transformed. He has uh, uh, on the road to Damascus, if you remember, and he sees Jesus and has this, this life-changing experience, and he surrenders his life to Jesus. And so, so God is ready to use him, but nobody trusts him. And Saul wants to go around teaching, and Saul wants to go around preaching, but, but every, every place that he's going, you know, there's the widows of, of the people that he's murdered. There's the sons and daughters of the people that he's murdered, and they're all scared spitless of this guy by the name of Saul. He was a known persecutor of Christians. 
But notice what happens in verse 27. One relationship changes everything. Then Barnabas, Barnabas, Acts 9, verse 27, then Barnabas took him under his wing. Now Barnabas, listen, is, is an early apostle uh, that the church trusted. He was an early apostle, and uh, he, he went around evangelizing and teaching doctrine. And so all of a sudden, Barnabas took him, who Paul saw, under his wing, he'd introduced him to the apostles and stood up for him, told them how Saul had seen and spoken to the master on the Damascus road and how in Damascus itself he laid his life on the line with his bold preaching in Jesus' name. So he's, here is Barnabas. He's vouching for Saul, who's now become Paul. And verse 28, after that, he was accepted as one of them going in and out of Jerusalem with no questions asked, uninhibited as he preached in the Master's name. You would have never had Paul without Barnabas. One relationship changed. You're not hearing me. Paul wrote two-thirds of the new, over a half of the Bible. This guy wrote over, the, the, he's, he's written the New Testament doctrine. You don't have a Paul. You don't have, you don't have him without a Barnabas. He is, he, is, he is no way going to have access to the church until one relationship comes into his life, and now he's known as Paul the Apostle. I'm here to tell you, you could be one relationship away from your life being transformed. Come on. Some of you listening to me today, you sense on the inside that something is quite not right. And deep down, you believe that there must be something that is missing. I need something else to make life good. I'm missing something. Uh, something is wrong in my life. I think there's so many people in that position or that place. But I want to challenge your, your thinking today because uh, I would suggest to you that maybe it's not something that you're missing, but perhaps it's someone that you're, that you're missing. I'm here to tell you relationships are important. Life is all about relationships, and God will use a relationship to take you higher. It's not something you're looking for. It's someone that God will remove into your life to cause your life to get better. Let me show you today three different types of relationship that every person needs in their life if they're going to be a success. Now, I could give you seven. Actually, I had ten, but I boiled it down to three. Is anybody thankful? probably write a book on this one. I'm going to show you the three most important relationships that I believe you need to have in order for your life to go higher, for your life to get better. And I want to use these from David's relationship, King David in the Old Testament. And I want to talk about his three friends uh, by the name of Samuel, Jonathan, and Nathan. They all helped him to become who God made David to be. David would not be David without a Samuel in his life. David would not be David without a Jonathan or without a Nathan in his life. So first and foremost, let's talk about the first one, Samuel. Samuel is a friend who makes you better. Samuel is a friend. David doesn't become David without a Samuel in his life. Now, when we, we talk about Samuel, we're not talking about gender specific, but it is specific to the only two genders. I'm going to say that one more time. 
Because if you happen to Google today, you'll find out that they tell you that there's 72 genders, but that's a lie. Don't go to Google for truth. I wish I could get some help from some Christians in here. Come on, does anybody, anybody believe in the Bible around here? So when I say this isn't gender specific, I'm not talking about the 72 that Google tells you there is. Because according to the Bible, there's only two genders, and that is male and female. And if you're confused about what... I could have you do a quick check, and we could find out if you're a male or female. So this could be Samuel, or this could be Sally, okay? So to what, whichever, it's just, just, just whatever. So a friend who makes you better. Oh, we all need a friend, don't we? That makes our life better. We all need a friend that sees the potential in our life. Come on, I'm here to tell you, you might be one friend away from your life being better, and you thought it was something, and I'm telling you, it's someone. We all need a friend that, that makes our life better. The backstory on this is that God has rejected Saul as king, and he told the prophet, a prophet named Samuel, to go and anoint the next king. Most of us are familiar with that story. So Samuel goes to Jesse's house, who has eight sons. And Jesse marches seven sons in before Samuel to see if Samuel is going to anoint one of them as king. So, so Jesse sends his first son, Eliab, and, and Samuel looks at him because, again, God has changed his mind about Saul. Saul was going to have a throne forever, him and his family. But because of Saul's disobedience, God says, I'm going to anoint a new king. And now he's at Jesse's house through Samuel to find the next king of Israel. Eliab comes by Samuel. Samuel lifts up the horn of oil, and the oil will not flow. And so, so he, thought, and he looks at the first son. He says, surely this is, this is God's pick. He's handsome. He's, he's built good. Surely this is the one that God says, no, not him. And so the next son goes by, and, and, and uh, Samuel says, well, surely it's the second one here. He's handsome. He's good looking. He's built really well. And uh, God says, no, it's not him. And so the third one and the fourth one, and God says, no, it's not him. No, it's not him. And finally the sixth and the seventh, and God says, nope, 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 nope. And so all of seven, all of uh, Jesse's seven sons march past Samuel, the prophet, who's going to announce the next king, and none of them are God's choice. And then God says this to Samuel, you're looking at what people look at, but I look at the heart. Are you with me? So Samuel asked Jesse, do you have any more, any more sons? Because David was not in there at that time. He said, well, I've got one other son. He's in the backyard. You know, he's our shepherd boy. He kind of takes care of all the animals. And so Samuel says, go get David. And David comes in there. And then we see in, in chapter 16, verse 12, we see what the Bible says. And the Lord said, this is the one. Anoint him. So as David stood there among his brothers, Samuel took the flask of olive oil that he had and brought it and anointed David with the oil. And the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. This is absolutely amazing. This is the one. Samuel, this is the one that I have anointed. What is amazing is that there was not a single person 
Not a single person that saw in David what God allowed Samuel to see in David. I want you to hear that. There was no other person, not a single person, that saw in David what God allowed Samuel to see in David. In other words, God used Samuel to identify the potential uh, when nobody else could see it in David. Remember that David's father did not even invite him to the party. He only brought seven of his eight sons. When, when Samuel says, I need to see all of your sons, why? Because, because Jesse did not even believe in the runt of the family. And so God uses Samuel to see in David the potential that no other person could see. God used Samuel, this one relationship, to make David's life better, and it changed the whole course of David's life. I think about my own life, and we could, we could teach this story and get into the nuances of it and stuff, but I, ju I just want you to catch this, this idea that you've got to have somebody in your life that sees your potential. You've got to have somebody in your life that believes in who you are. When I think about this, I think about my own life. I did not get here without the Samuels in my life. You've got to have somebody that is able to look in your life and see the king that is within you. And I'm here to tell you, God's got a Samuel for every person in this room, every person on the other side of that camera. God's got a Samuel for you, a man or a woman that can look in your life and say, I see a king on the inside of you. I see the potential on the inside of you. Come on, you can do this. You can make it. I think about my own life. Even what I'm doing here today, I'm, I'm preaching to a bunch of crazy people, right? How did, how did we get here? How did, how did I, how did I, it's almost 30 years I've been doing this, 30 years I've been, I've been doing, I, I'm just not that old. How do you, how, it's because of the Samuels. You're not hearing me. I'm here to tell you, one relationship. Some of you are one relationship away from a better life. It may not be something, it may be someone. Relationships matter. I'll tell you how I got here. It's back in 19, 19, I'm going to date myself just a little bit. It's probably 1981. Might have been 1982. Um, I, was, I was dating my, my wife and her dad. Because <laughs> you couldn't just date her, right? So, so that's how we did it back then. Actually, I dated Cherie and her brother, I was playing the keys a while ago, and her dad. So I dated Cherie. I dated Tom. In fact, I had a, a Chevy Stepside, 75 Chevy Steps all truck. I wish I still had that truck. Oh, dear Jesus. Man, we could put that thing in a museum right now. So, but, but, so we, would go, we would go places. Now, 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 her dad never let me just go with her. There always had to be somebody because he didn't trust my hormones. Actually, he trusted them, but... She, but her mom didn't trust my hormones. So anyhow. So, so when we went somewhere, there would be three in the truck. So it would be me, Tom, and Sheree over by the door. So it was just a crazy, crazy. But, but back in 1981, 82, around that time, I'm dating Sheree. I'd met her at a camp. 
And uh, for whatever reason, her parents are, are in the ministry, and they still pastor today. And for whatever reason, I'm just a young man, never had preached before in my life, but her dad gave me an opportunity on a Wednesday night to preach to the whole church. Now, it was a, it was a small church, but I had never preached to a church before. I'd never done anything. I don't even think I, that was on my radar screen to even do such a thing. And he says, hey, I really want you to, to, to come, and I want you to minister, and I want you to preach on a, on a Wednesday night. And I remember, I remember, and this is, this is like, this is like uh, however, however many years ago. How many years is that? It's like a lot of years, right? How many years? 40 years. 40 years? Dear. Forty years ago, I had a Samuel that said, hey, I think you ought to preach on a Wednesday night for me. I see something that's on the inside of you. You may not even see it yourself, and it may be in raw form, but, but I got eyes to see some potential that is on. Oh, you're not hearing me. I'm here to tell you everybody needs a Samuel in their life, somebody that sees the greatness, somebody that sees the potential, somebody that sees the king on the inside of you. And I'll never forget preaching on that Wednesday night or reading my notes or doing whatever I did. I was scared spitless, probably done in three minutes, but, but I had my first run at preaching. And you know what happened is after that service, I was handed a, a little note from my mother-in-law that I've had for 40 years. Oh, everybody go, ah. Oh. Don't be talking about my mother-in-law like that now, guys. And she wrote this note after I preached, and it's probably the most horrible message that she ever heard in her life. I had never done it, never been taught. I hadn't even been to Bible school yet. And she wrote me a note, and I've kept it all these 40 years in some of my Bibles. And uh, she said, Randy, and she starts out, I'm not going to read it all. This just, just, but, but I'm just saying, these are the Samuels. These are, it's, it's not gender specific. These are the same. I got done preaching. I knew I failed. I knew I was horrible. Oh, nobody will ever listen to me. And the first thing she does is she hands me a note, and I've been carrying it ever since. She says, Randy, I just want you to know that I think you're great. And you know what? She still thinks I'm great today. And I'm thankful to have a mother-in-law that I love and that believes in me. You know, not everybody has a mother-in-law they love. You know, Paul in the Bible, he had issues with his mother-in-law. You know that, right? You know, Jesus healed uh, Peter. Uh, Peter is actually Peter. Did you know that Jesus actually healed Peter's mother-in-law? And, and many scholars believe that's the reason why Peter denied Christ. Some of you are a little slow. Some of you are a little slow. Huh? But that's not my issue. I love, I love my mother-in-law. Come on, do you have a Samuel in your life that sees the potential, that sees the ability, that sees the king on the inside of you? Everybody needs a Samuel in your life. Do you have somebody in your life that believes in you, that sees your potential? that helps to bring the king out of you, that looks at you and says, you're not a fool, you're not a loser, you're not a failure. I see a king on the inside. Every, I know I'm taking time, but I'm here to tell you, this is so important. You've got to have Samuels in your life. You've got to have a father-in-law, a mother-in-law that 
even after 40 years, still believes in you. You've got to have somebody say, you can keep doing You You can do this. You need a Samuel in your life, somebody that can pull that king out of the inside. And God has just had my life full of different Samuels at different seasons of my life. So do you have someone in your life who helps make you better at the things that matter most? You need one. You see, if you're hanging out with people who just eat donuts for a hobby, chances are you're not going to get in better shape. They're, they're not the Samuel. They're not going to make you better. If you want to be better, better at finances, better at relationships, better at your careers, better at life, then you need somebody that you can hang out with that is going to make you better. You need a Samuel. Proverbs 27, 17 says this, As iron sharpens iron, so a friend can improve a friend. Maybe, 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 maybe it's not something you're looking for but it's someone that can pull that king from the inside of you. Let's look at the second one, and Tom, you can come back. The second one is Jonathan, and we won't go deep into these stories, lines, but Jonathan was David's best friend. Spent quite a few days just studying the story of Jonathan and David. Remarkable, remarkable relationship and friendship. Uh, after David is anointed to be king, he actually doesn't become king yet. He goes back to just being a shepherd boy, and then he's, he's promoted to becoming a, a, a war hero by, because he, he defeats Goliath and things. And, and uh, it's after he defeats Goliath, uh, still not king, because Saul's king at that time, even though that God has anointed David to be king. David actually uh, defeats the giant, so now he's a hero in the people's eyes, and, and the women, you know, it's always the women, they start singing a song. <laughs> they start singing a song. You, you remember the Bible records it, you know, Saul has slain his thousands, but David, his, they're having parades, and because of, of, of David's popularity, the women are singing, and, and Saul, who is the king, is now being intimidated by the fame of David, and He's insecure. He's actually jealous. He said, I got to get rid of this guy or he's going to take my throne over. And so so he's looking to kill David. And in 1 Samuel chapter 23, verse 14, it says, David now lived in the wilderness. He's on the run from Saul because Saul wants to kill him. David lived in the wilderness caves in the hill country of Ziph. One day near Horesh, he received the news that Saul was on the way to Ziph to search for him and kill him. Are you, are you following the story? Saul's jealous of him. David is, 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 is being promoted. He's a war hero. His, his, the, Saul's throne is now being uh, challenged, and the women are singing, and Saul is intimidated. And so Saul says, there's only one thing to do. We're going to kill David. We're going to get rid of David. We're going to get rid of the problem. Um, and that's how insecurity always is, right? When God's blessing somebody else, Instead of looking at that and saying, well, you know what? God can bless me just like he's blessing them. We get insecure. And so we start talking trash about them. We try to, you know, we try to undermine them and get rid of them. And Listen, God's got enough blessings for everybody. I said God's got enough blessings for everybody. He, he can exalt you. He can exalt your neighbor. He, listen, God can bless them. He can bless you. 
But, but, but Saul couldn't handle that, and now he's jealous, and he's going he's gonna to kill David. In verse 16, notice what happens here. So Saul's son, Jonathan, went to David. Who? Saul's son, Jonathan. You know, you didn't hear that. Saul's son. Saul's wanting to kill David, and Saul's son goes to David at Horash and encouraged him. And did what? And encouraged him and helped him find strength in God. You see, Jonathan is the friend who helps you find strength and encouragement. Oh, you need a Samuel. But I'm here to tell you, don't do life without your Jonathans. You've got to have somebody in your corner that's going to encourage you. It's going to strengthen you. I'm going to read verse 16 again. So Saul's son, Jonathan, it's just amazing to me how God will use sometimes people that you would never expect him to use. This is actually... I want to get in there and preach it, but we don't have time. But this is actually crazy. This is, this is the son of the man that's looking to kill David. And this son had enough sense to know what God was doing. And he finds David. He, he actually has to search him out because David's hiding. And when he finds David, this is David's best friend in scriptures. The Bible says that he encouraged him and that he helped him find strength in God. Every single one of you needs a relationship that helps you find strength in God. Oh, you do. Regardless who you are, I think we all know this, there's just times in life where you're being attacked, right? You're, you're being challenged. Times in life where people turn against you. Has anybody ever had somebody turn against you? That's what's happening to David here. Saul has turned against him. Jonathan finds him and helps him find strength in God. And I'm here to tell you, we all need the Jonathans in our life when we're going through the challenges of life. How about those times when your life is full of pain? Some of you here today, you're, you, you can't even hardly see straight because your life is so full of pain and disappointment. How about those times when you feel like quitting and giving up? That's why you, you don't need something. You need somebody. You need a Jonathan in your life. You need somebody to help you find strength when you're lonely. To find encouragement when you can't encourage yourself. Proverbs 27.9, Passion Translation, powerful verse. It says, friendships refresh the soul and awaken our hearts with joy. For good friends are like the anointing oil. Did you hear what the Bible said? It says a good friend is like an anointing oil that yields a fragrant incense of God's presence. Maybe it's not something you need. Maybe it's someone. Maybe it's a Jonathan that can come into your life when you feel like quitting, you feel like giving up, and somebody that comes in your life says, Hey, you can do this. You can make it. There's still life after this. We need the Jonathans in our, in our life. I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful for the Jonathans in my life. Oh, don't underestimate what I'm saying. I, I don't think I would still be doing what I'm doing 30 years in this church, still doing what I'm doing, if it wasn't for the Jonathans. Oh, because I've had a lot of those other voices. The haters that hate. 
the bloggers that blog, the tweeters that tweet. Huh? Thank God that I've had some Jonathans that said, Randy, you can do this. Randy, you can, you, can, you can make it. When I felt like quitting, when I felt like giving up, it always seemed that somehow, some way, there was a crossroads in my life. Not even people that I, I did life with every day, just all of a sudden would bump into them and they became, they became a Jonathan. I'm going to say it again. I'm going to wear you out before this service is over. Maybe it's not something. Maybe it's somebody. And the reason why I'm hitting that hard today is because too many of us like to do life alone. And God does not want you to do life alone because if you're miserable alone, you're going to stay miserable as long as you stay alone. God has a relationship to help you move forward. He has a Jonathan that's going to strengthen you and encourage you and help you go Godward. You can't be stuck in your own thoughts. You can't be stuck in your own fear. You can't be stuck in your own failure. You can't be stuck in your own depression. God's got a Jonathan, and they're seeking and searching to find you, and you need to be open to them coming into your life. Somebody that tells you you can do it. You can make it. You're not a quitter. Greater is he that's in you than he that... It's coming against you, somebody that'll tell you, hey, God's got a plan for your life. Hey, God can do more for you than what you think or even ask. Come on. You can do this. You need somebody in your life that comes along and tells you you're strong. Come on, you're strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Come on, you need friends that'll tell you just how blessed you are. How blessed are you? Well, you're... you're, you're you're, you're so blessed that the blessed people call you blessed. You need friends like that. How healed am I? You're so healed that the healed people call you healed. You need somebody. I wish I could get some help on in here. Come on. You need somebody that can get in your life and encourage you and strengthen you concerning the promises of God. How many of you believe you need a Jonathan in your life? Well, I need a Samuel. I need a Jonathan. Let's talk about the third one. Well, before we go to the third one, I guess, guess a great question is, how, how do I get that? How, how do I get a Samuel? How, how do I get a, a Jonathan in my If I need them in my how, how, how do I how do I get that? I'm going to tell you right after I tell you about the third relationship. Nathan, a friend that will tell you the truth. We all need a Samuel. We all need a Jonathan. Oh, but how you need a Nathan. Now, many of you don't like this kind of relationship, but you need one in your life. Who was Nathan in David's life? Most of us know the story, how God was blessing David. David's now king, and he's a man after God's own heart, and things are going really well until David takes his eyes off of God, and he puts them on a... Um, a woman by the name of Bathsheba. And things don't go so well. He, he ends up committing adultery, and this is a long, long story in the Bible. We'll just condense it. David takes his eyes off of God, puts his eyes on Bathsheba. David commits adultery with her, and then David tries to cover up his sin. 
uh, many, many different ways. Finally, the only last thing that he can come up with is, I've got to kill her husband, Uriah. So David not only commits adultery, not only tries to cover it up, but then he murders, has Uriah murdered. This is David, a man after God's own heart. David had some issues in his life, and so, so David has just found himself in, in complete despair, despair. He's done things he never thought he would do. He's committed adultery. He's had your, her husband, uh, Uriah, uh, murdered, and, and now the whole kingdom is at risk. And, and, and honestly, for about a year, David did not feel the gravity of this this sin or this situation. He just tried to push it aside until one day God begins to send Nathan to David's palace to confront him of his sin. And, and Nathan comes and knocks on the palace door and he, David comes and he says, David, I got, I got a story for you. And God is just setting up to, to, to confront David in, in, in his sin. And, and Nathan starts out by telling David a story. He says, David, there's a story about a rich guy and about a poor guy. And the rich guy had cattle and sheep and was very wealthy and well off to do, but then there was a poor guy. He only had one little lamb. And David, that lamb was like the, 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 the pet of the house. It was the kid's pet. In fact, that, that little lamb, David, it ate from the, 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 the kitchen table, and that lamb stayed in their house all night long. And David, here's what happened, is that the rich man had some guests come to his house and he needed to prepare a meal for them, and so what he does, instead of going to his cattle and his, his sheep, he actually goes down the road, and he finds this, this, this poor guy, and he takes that little, little lamb from him, and he, he has that lamb slaughtered, and he fixes that as a meal for his, his guests that are at his house. And, 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 and as Nathan's telling the story, David is enraged, like, how, how in the world would anybody do such a thing? He took from a poor man. He took their pet. You've got to be kidding. He had that pet murdered. He had that, that pet cleaned out, dressed out, and served for dinner when he could have taken his own sheep, his own lamb. And David is outraged. And David, the king of Israel at that time, he says, that man should be put to death. And we read in 2 Samuel 12, 7, then Nathan said to David, you are that man. You are that man. Nathan loved David enough to tell him the truth. And suddenly David saw what he hadn't seen before. Almost a year. Almost a year had gone by right here. And David was just hiding his sin. David was, was just trying to move on with life. The Bible says if you hide your sins, you will not succeed. But if you confess and reject them, you will receive mercy, the Bible says. And it's at that moment that David saw his sin for what it was, and David immediately was brokenhearted. And David, unlike Saul, he didn't care about being king anymore. All he cared about this is why he's called the man after God's own heart. All he cared about was his relationship with God. He says, you could take the kingdom away. 
Nothing matters to me. You can take the palace. You can take the cars. You can take the money. You can take the gold. You can take the silver. The only thing that matters to me is my relationship with God. And he's brokenhearted because a friend took a risk to expose and challenge his behavior. He says, David, you are that man. You are that man. And David, being brokenhearted at that, that point and at that moment, begins to confess his sins. And what he did was public. Everybody knew the sin. Everybody knew. But also, when he confessed his sin, it went very public because you can read it in Psalms 51. I like this about David because he wasn't trying to keep his reputation, wasn't trying to keep his kingdom, wasn't trying to keep his, 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 his cars and his, 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 his gold. And his, he wasn't trying to keep any of that. So I just got to get right with God. And he, he writes out his confession so that they could sing it the rest of his life. His confession went public that day, and we still read it today in Psalms 51. You know, there's probably not a week that goes by that I don't read Psalms 51. I just think it's good for the soul. I think it's just always a great reminder about a man who stood before his God willing to lose it all because of the only thing he wanted was a right relationship with God. He said, God, in the Psalms, he said, oh God, renew a right spirit in Create a clean heart in me. Take, take not thy Holy Spirit from me. And then he says things like this in, in that repentance prayer. He says, God, restore to me the joy of salvation. Maybe, maybe that's where the church is. We just, God, we, we don't have joy like we used to have. When you got saved, do you remember how you used to laugh? You used to say, this, this is just, man, this is the best thing I've ever experienced. I think some of us ought to pray that prayer. God, restore to me the joy of salvation. So much of life has gotten in the way. And, 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 let, let me wrap this up real quick. But, but David repents. Nathan confronts. And I have a question for you today. When is the last time you had a friend that loved you enough to tell you, hey, hey, I like that. Hey, 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 don't go there. Ah. Hey, hey, maybe you shouldn't, you shouldn't do that. Eh. Um, hey, hey, that's going to be a real stupid move if you do that. And man, if you do that, that's going to hurt your marriage. Oh, don't tell me what to do. Well, when's the last time you had a friend in your life? I'm not talking about everybody. These are very few that I'm talking about. But when's the last time you had somebody in your life that could challenge your life? I'm telling you, you've got to have a friend like this. Left alone to yourself, you are a, you are a piece of trouble getting ready to happen. Thank you for that three... You need somebody to say, hey, if, if you do that, you're going to hurt your relationships. Hey, if you do that, that's not going to end up well. Do you know why people are hating on me right now? Because I'm trying to be a Nathan and I'm saying, hey, you know what? This thing of you not going to church, it's not a good thing. On, see, see it's, that's not a popular thing. But see, but see, 
But see, you need somebody in your life that will challenge your life. Hey, that's not what the Bible says. I've done this, listen, for 28 years, 20, almost 30 years. Huh? I guess i got to just say 30 years. I've done this for 30 years. And most people's lives fall apart when they stop going to church. Hey, when did your life start falling apart? Well, you know, we kind of got out of church and got busy with this and that and this and that. You, you need somebody in your life right now where, 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 where society has told you that church is not essential. You need some, you need a Nathan in your life saying, hey, this church thing, it's a God thing. It's very important. And you ought to plan on being there every time the doors are open. You need to gather because there's an anointing and there is help and there's a God. the last time you had a friend love you enough to say, hey man, I just don't think that's going to work out for you. It's a bad choice. That'd be stupid if you do that. We all need somebody that will tell us the truth. Proverbs 27, 6 says, you can trust a friend who corrects you even when it hurts. But your enemies want to hurt you even when they're nice. You know, um, I'm out of time, but this is where I thank God for my wife. She's all those friends to me. She's my Samuel. She's my Jonathan. How many times I wanted to quit, and she said, baby, you can't do that. We gotta keep fighting. We gotta keep doing this. But she's looked me into the eyes, because I know she loves me, and she'll say, baby, that's not gonna work out good. That's not what your son needs. That's not what your daughter needs. It's not what the church needs. You're, you're, you're not seeing this correctly. You're, you're, you're being irritated by your flesh. I'm just, I, I'm just here to, to help somebody. It might not be something. It might be somebody. And you need this kind of friend in your life. You need to be open to somebody that can challenge the dysfunction of your life. Otherwise, you're just... You're just a wreck waiting to happen. Come on, somebody ought to shout yes. Somebody ought to praise God that he has these kind of relationships that can make us better. Proverbs 12:1 says, anyone who hates to be corrected is stupid. Let me read that one again. Come on, I know you're getting tired on me. Anybody got three more minutes? Give me three more minutes. Come on, anybody? Anyone who hates to be corrected is stupid. You should come back to church. Online is a supplement. It's not church. I'm going to say it how it is. Thank God for online, but it's a supplement. It's not intended to be church. When you're online, you can't be church. You can watch church, but there's no involvement, and there's certainly no commitment, and there's no relationship. God says, come together. Oh, see, you don't, yeah, that's okay. Because coming here requires something out of you. It requires commitment. It requires involvement. Stand at home in your bed, it requires nothing. Well, what do we have online? For supplemental help, for those that are out of state, those that cannot be here. But if you're physically well, you should be in church. Amen. 
Anyone who hates to be corrected is stupid. One, one last one here, one last one. So, no, listen, I thank God for online. We have a great online audience, so many that cannot be here. That's the reason why we choose to do it. But, but don't kid yourself. There's a point that you have to come and get involved in the local church. You can't be involved setting at home. There, there are people that need you here today to be involved in their life. That's the reason why God says don't neglect the gathering together so that when you come together, you can help strengthen each other. If you're still in bed, sir, you can't strengthen nobody. Ecclesiastes 7.5. Correction from someone wise is better by far than praise from fools. I'm thankful. I'm thankful for the people that have corrected me. I wouldn't be where I'm at today without those kind of people. Three relationships you need. Number one, you need a what? A Samuel that makes you better. You need number two, a what? A Jonathan that strengthens you and encourages you. Third, you need who? Uh, Real low on that one. Third one, who do you need? What does he do? All right, stand to your feet. Glory to God. So you might be asking the question, might be asking the question, well, how in the world do I get those in my life? Anybody curious? Anybody want to know? Anybody care? What do you need to do to get those relationships in your life? It's very simple. To have those kind of friends, you have to be that kind of friend. Matthew 7, 7, put that on the screen, guys, if you have that. Matthew 7, Matthew 7. Notice what it says here. Always do for other people everything you want them to do for you. Show the other translation. Whatever you want people to do for you, then grab the initiative and do it for them, and this is what you will get. If you want a Samuel, you've got to be a Samuel. Come on. If you want a Jonathan, you've got to be a Jonathan. Come on. You've got to be that in order to receive that. Proverbs 18, 24, a person who has friends must be a, a friend. Must be a friend. You have to be that three relationships that we all need in life. Father, thank you. Thank you for truth today. God, help us. God, instead of praying for those people in our lives, God, today's celebration, we we ask you to help us to be that kind of a person. God, to be a a Samuel. To, To see the potential, to see the kings and the greatness on the inside of other people. God, raise up celebration to be the Samuels in this community and in this city. God, I pray that we would become the Jonathans. The celebration be a church of Jonathans, God, that we would be the Jonathans for this community, this city, God, to help encourage people, not tear people down, but to lift them up, to help people find strength in the things of God. God, help us to become a Nathan, to 
to certain people, that you would open the doors. Not to hurt people, God, or not to even have joy of correcting people, but God, just to be sound wisdom for people. To give sound advice for people that, that people don't have to make those kinds of mistakes, God. May we be a church of Nathan's, Lord. That would help our city and our community. Father, thank you today for your truth. Thank you for your word. God, we thank you for our relationship with you, and we're so grateful for our relationships with others. God, bring the right people around us, remove the wrong people. I pray that again. God, bring the right people around us and remove the wrong people from us. God, may the people be around us May there be people around us, God, that take us, uh, takes us higher. God, 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 may people in this room, those online right now, God, God, put somebody in their life today, tomorrow, this week, that can change their life for the better, just like Barnabas did to Saul. God, we just, we just open our eyes to this truth today, this reality, God, that you do work through relationships. Come on, just lift your hands right where you're at. I've done your praying for you. Now, now you just talk to God right there, where you're at, those, on, those of you online, just right where you're at. Just tell God what you need in this area. God, help us to be the Samuels, the Jonathans, the Nathans. Help us to be the friend to our friends. Help us to be a friend of the kind of friends we need in our own life. God, we make adjustments today where we have closed people off from our lives that you're trying to bring into our lives. Oh, somebody needs to hear that. God, God, we make adjustments today from closing off people, God, from our lives that you're trying to bring into our lives, God. We, we didn't realize, God, how important relationships are to you. God, when you're doing something in, your, in our life, you're doing it through a relationship. God, may it be said of celebration that we have a strong relationship with you and we have healthy, strong relationships with one another. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, amen. Thanks for listening. If this impacted you and you'd like to partner with us, go to celebrationchurch.cc to help us reach people with the message of Jesus.